0: Braving the Elements, Nickelodeon's podcast about all things Avatarverse. I'm Janet Varney.
1: And I'm Dante Bosco.
0: Happy holidays, y'all. Yeah, I said y'all. From Braving the Elements. I cannot believe we have been doing this podcast for over six months, my friend.
1: I know. It's pretty wild. But this week we thought we'd relive some of our favorite moments so far from season one.
0: Great idea. These are some of our fans' favorite and honestly our favorite as well and kind of most talked about clips from our entire run of season one of braving the elements and if you haven't been listening since the start this is a great catch-up episode so first up we are hearing from our two dads and the creators of the avatarverse mike dimartino and brian konetsko
2: hello son and daughter
0: mike i'm gonna call you mike for the rest of the time
2: yes that's fine my my friends my my children call me mike so,
1: Mike D, Mike D.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> realized that D. I always refer to you as just Mike D Martino and now I'm feeling like I need I should have slipped back in the the L Dante. <laughs> the L Dante. No,
1: you threw that Dante and when I first read the script, it said uh Michael Dante dimartino Martino and I was like, and I was convinced one of the reasons I got cast because we share the same name. Definitely. Well,
2: I will say I do recall. Here's an early story for you. That we'd get the like auditions on, you know, c D back in the day. Oh, people wow. used CDs. And and they did like list the the actor or actress's names on them. And I remember seeing Dante Bosco and I jokingly said, like, that's our guy right there. That's gonna be him. <laughs> and sure enough, it really did end up being you. So
1: There you go. It worked out. The name worked out for me. I like it. Cut to later today,
0: Dante's like I wonder if that is the only reason I got the part. Actors are very insecure. (laughs) I've just discovered that's the only reason, the only one. (laughs) This is awesome for us. We love any opportunity to see you. And I'm sure you know how important it is to us that we, when you see us, you're probably reminded of the most stressful times in your life. So that's uh, very positive for us. Yeah, but
3: you you all were one of the fun parts. (laughs) You know, like towards (laughs) the end, Mike was in a lot more of the records than I was, but when... So when I did get to go, it was an even uh, extra special treat, you know, and I always love hanging out with the actors and especially you two. And, you know, I don't have children, so all of the Avatar characters are like my children. I always think of them that way. So it's not that you two lovely adult human beings are my children, but, yeah, Cora and Korra and Aang, you know, they, they are... And my mom... I have a lot of nephews and a niece, but my mom would always say that that avatar was her other grandchild you know and, uh, oh wow it it takes a lot of Attention, like raising a child.
1: (laughs) Tell grandma we said hi.
0: I was going to say we're ready to meet meet her at any time. It's funny you would say that because she is actually going to be on our next episode. I know it seems like we jumped around a little bit (laughs) and (laughs) um, started contacting your family members. But we're just real enthused about this podcast. We're real enthused about it. You know i did that thing where uh and i think dante is more chill about this stuff because dante is the cool kid and i'm the nerd between the two of us and so he probably didn't do what i did which was like such a gross deep dive into stuff that i've actually i've come all the way back around to having hurt myself because my brain stopped being able to take in all the information that's out there on the web about avatar so everything just sort of like melted away. So now I'm just back to where I, where I was. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I must know everything. The creators are coming on the podcast. Yeah,
3: now I feel bad like we, we scared you into it. Like like you were, had to cram for a test or something. It's okay to ask us a question that's been asked before. It's just when.
0: So how did it all begin? <laughs>
1: <laughs> What's,
0: what, if you could bend one element. I know. How did you ever come up with the idea? This has never before been told. A story you'll never hear <laughs> anywhere else. No, there are a lot of places that uh, that the story has been told, um, certainly on various uh, and sundry Tumblr blogs. And Mike, I think you have a little more on your website now that's a kind of a more recent thing right that you have the sort of hub of a website where people can go uh
2: i do have a website uh but all the like blog stuff is kind of old it's from my blog i haven't haven't but we're kind of old yeah (laughs) i would say like when people you know the thing we usually refer people to is like the the art of avatar book because like i feel like that's one of the definitive like places where we sort of told like where it began and the early development and you get to see the early art and all that stuff. Oh,
0: the book that I was cramming even as we were logging on.
1: Was I supposed to read that textbook? Was I Is that a textbook I was supposed to? I have it here also. This is
3: why you're the cool kid. You're
1: the cool kid. <laughs> That's right. And you're That's and you're right. the one who drops
0: profound references to other literary gems while I'm scrambling to remember something like very specific.
1: I just try to take it in. The crazy thing is it's 20 years ago, fellas. I mean, almost, you know, yeah. almost 20 yeah. years ago. And obviously I was there too. And I, it, it's it so blows my mind when I'm talking to fans or cons and these kids aren't, I mean, barely 20, if not. And I'm like going, hold on, we did, we did this. We started doing this like before you were born. Like, how's that? Yeah. It seemed yeah. like yesterday, fellas, like going in there and auditioning yeah, with you guys. That, but... I have all these crazy memories of the whole journey. I remember at the premiere party where where Brian handed the mic to you at at the premiere party. He's like, I want to have, you know, the Beastie Boy reference, like, I'm handing the mic to Mike D. (laughs) Like, I have these, like, weird memories in my head, and I'm like, how was that that many years ago? Well, and we were, like,
3: we were young for show creators and showrunners back then. Oh, for sure. I Um, thought
1: you guys were young, too. I'm like, did these guys know what they're doing? (laughs) Not really. (laughs) (laughs)
0: we cast you because your name was Dante what does that tell you
1: good
3: taste I was like 25 almost turning 26 when we came up with the idea in 2002 and you know it took some years through development and working on the test pilot and then getting into production but by the time we were like actually running the the production I think I was 28 so you know so we were sort of known as like the young the young guys for a while and then we once had this like meeting. This was I think during Cora, like some live action network pulled us in and we had a meeting and they were like, "You know, you guys are like veterans, you know? You're like veteran world builders." And oh we came out goodness. of the meeting and I was like, "Wait, did we become the old guys?" And there was no <laughs> in between. We we went from young guys to old guys and I everything in the middle was a blur.
0: Yep. Yeah, I can't even. I mean, I Dante and I do cons together, and and I now have kids who are teenagers coming up and saying, "I grew up watching Korra," and that's a mind blower. And then and then I look over and in Dante's line, and someone who's like twice their age is saying, "I grew up watching Avatar," and you right, know people yeah. are naming their kids after characters from True. the series, and I mean it, it's. It's really it's really something and that is a different way like obviously we all have our own internal clock or lack thereof in terms of how we account for time going by and if you're a parent you know it looks different because you, you're seeing it through your kids and if you're not maybe it's through your work or your animals or your relationship or whatever but it's really interesting when you sort of see it reflected back to you through someone who like they're marking time by naming their child Cora is, it's a whole different experience, and, and time warps. All of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute, hold on. Are you from the past? The future? What's happening? This doesn't seem possible. Uh, but somehow, it happened. And you guys knew each other far longer than the inception of Avatar, because of course, you met as students at Rhode Island School of Design, RISD, right? And Brian... I believe you were dressed as Iguana Man. I feel that has not been uh, addressed deeply, (laughs) deep cut deeply enough in the art book. Uh, I'd like to know uh, a little more about why Iguana Man. And I consider that to be the first hybrid animal uh, because you were part, you part (laughs) Iguana. So that's basically the first hybrid animal from Avatar.
1: What are you guys doing at RISD? Well,
3: the, the, the first hybrid animal that inspired me was opus um, sure. from bloom county because you know he he was just a penguin but he didn't really look like a penguin you know he had this big huge round schnoz and um and i loved him and i actually just found the stuffed animal that i had at my mom's house i nice. brought it back home to la and so when i was in like second or third grade i would just draw hybrid animals it was just something I did, and that was a time when I used to just lay on the floor and just draw from my imagination. And then a few years later, I got more into... I mean, I always took art classes outside of school and stuff, but I got more into like music and playing guitar, and I wasn't so focused on drawing, um, even though I still consider myself an artist. But, you know, ended up going to art school, and I'll get into the whole story about meeting Mike, but it was like, it wasn't until... Yeah, i have been working on shows for other people's shows for like four years, but I really hadn't been doing drawings for myself. Um, I would just do drawings for a class assignment or drawings for a job. And um, when Mike and I were trying to come up with a show, I started finally doing like drawings for myself at night. And when we started what would turn into Avatar, it was kind of the first time in my adult life, I was just really sitting there drawing, just tapping into that old thing of being a kid and Miyazaki, you know? So I think it was like the cat bus. And sure. it was sort of just this floating floating manatee bovine of some sort. But like with Opus, like I wasn't thinking like, I just thought, oh, in this world, this is what a bison looks like. You know, it's Wait. just different than ours. You know, it wasn't that it was right, right, it was right. such a hybrid thing.
0: You know, Dante and I were talking about all the different characters in the show and how much we love them and sort of wondering how you felt you were reflected in those characters, and Dante just totally blew my mind. He was like, you know, Brian is Zuko and Mike is Aang. <laughs> how much truth is
1: there to that? It's true.
2: It's There's true. Some truth to that.
3: Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. It I forgot one that revealed to me, or you guys revealed it, or something happened and I was like, oh my god, it was like a epiphany.
2: I think it's one of those things that just, I mean, it kind of naturally happened because we're both fueling this world and these characters and, you know, and like anything you create, like I, especially now I notice like there's, in every character I can see aspects of myself but you kind of end up identifying with like one of the, the main characters and I've always sort of like had a soft spot for Aang and Brian's always identified with Zuko a little more and it's just sort of seemed to work out that way that your personalities sort of, you know, get infused in the work in different ways. And all the characters like Sokka and Katara, there's like, you know, little parts of us and all those personalities and characters and storylines, you know.
3: Mike is like a peaceful, mellow.
1: Avatar. Airbender. Yeah.
3: Round, perfectly round head, um, (laughs) you know. And I am. I am definitely much more fiery and S- impassioned and driven in a sort of self-destructive way <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> but, but we balance each other out.
1: I always knew I connected to Brian more. Both of us being Zuko and all, Fire Nation. You've made that very, very clear.
0: Okay, we definitely had to play this one. It is one of my favorite moments, one of the fans' favorite moments, and we have talked about it a lot since then. And you bring it up all the time at cons. It's when you found out that Appa was part manatee.
1: I just found out that Oppo was half manatee. I, I didn't even know. I never knew that. But then On this podcast. Read the art book. <laughs> he looked up a manatee on,
0: on the internet and said, oh, yeah.
1: I learn stuff every day. I had to look up a manatee, and then the body floating. I was like, "That's Appa. There he is. I
3: <laughs> also you were criticizing their posture, but they're underwater, Dante.
1: I know. I didn't know why. It's not he like was they're just... sitting
3: in a chair. Like
1: I thought, Appa slumped a lot. I was like, "This guy got horrible posture. What's wrong with this dude?"
3: Have you ever seen a bison? They have humps on their back, Dante. That's not all just. It's not like his bad posture, it's the shape of his back.
1: I mean, I like Appa, I didn't ponder him a whole lot.
3: You're dissing on Appa now, oh my
1: gosh. He's a homie, (laughs) I love me some Appa. But guess what, a lot of people didn't know either.
0: I know, we've done cons together in front of 800 people, and I would say half of them didn't
1: know. No one says anything about it in the show ever, about no manatees doing nothing. But kind of, their water tribe is a water animal. kind of makes sense a little bit. Except as an air temple. I, um... but he's in the water at the <laughs> beginning.
0: <laughs> okay, friends, more to come from our fan favorite episode after a quick break. We are back with yet another fan favorite moment. We are talking about the wonderful Jack DeSena. Of course, he played Sokka, and we absolutely loved having him.
1: The illustrious Water Tribe member himself—not a bender, but uh, up there in the yep. uh, higher echelon of Water Tribe uh, legends gotta and icons—gotta be. Gotta, gotta be. be. He's got to have statues all over Water Tribe land. That important. He's well traveled. Yeah, absolutely. He's well traveled. He was very important part of the Great War, and yep. he, he he did things he did things no other person, bender or not, was able to do uh, he- during this whole thing learns all the local fighting styles as he travels. No,
0: no, no, wait. (laughs) Before you say too much more, we're trying really hard not to do too many spoilers, even though we feel like everyone who's listening probably has watched the entire series multiple times. So instead of doing spoiler alerts, we do something called the foreshadow report. Great. (laughs) So foreshadow report, we have to have you back on For possibly my favorite moment, kind of sort of comedic moment in the entire series, which involves Sokka telling Zuko what happened to his girlfriend. And we're not going to say any more than that, Oh, but that exchange is so good. I mean,
4: there's a lot of foreshadowing there. We could not do that exchange without foreshadowing so much. But yeah, thank you. I agree. Dante. Oh.
0: So we don't, we can't do it, but we got to bring you back because I could listen to that on a loop and I would never stop laughing. It's so
4: funny and so good. <laughs> Dante could say his line pretty free and clear, right?
0: Ooh, that's what we should do. Let's just say a few things, and then Dante will have to respond with that line no matter what we say. Like it could just great, be great, 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 great. It doesn't great, have great. to be about Avatar. Like I, yeah, I twisted my ankle and it was rough because I didn't get to go on that hike I really wanted to go on.
4: That's rough, buddy. I think I'm having a sleep apnea, and then I've been waking up with headaches, and I talked to my doctor, I did a at-home sleep study, and they're gonna maybe look into getting me a CPAP machine. It's really blowing my mind, making me feel really old.
1: Hmm, that's rough,
4: buddy.
0: So, I'm just starting to come to terms with the fact that I can't eat cereal all day, every day, for every meal, and that is extremely upsetting to me. What advice do you have for me? That's rough,
4: buddy. Dante, this is an igneous rock that's rough buddy
0: oh yes anything in the pun family go.
1: i am so on board for i love that you guys are both improv geniuses and just jump into <laughs> improv like without there was no you guys there's no hand signals there was no like winks of the eye they just jumped into improv did you feel like you were, were unprepared? I was unprepared because I'm not that kind of actor,
4: dude. You had your line, man. I think you were well taken care of in this exercise. I know. I
0: was gonna say, if I may, you felt like you were unprepared. That's rough, buddy. There we go.
1: <laughs> thank you, Barney. <No>! <laughs> thank you. And that, and that and today in our "That's Rough, Buddy" segment. Thank you so much. Scene.
0: jack this is probably something that you get asked all the time i know it's something that we get asked uh with respect to the legend of cora and I think it's also probably fair to say that the Bolin character is sort of the heir apparent to Sokka's brilliance. And PJ was kind of the only one who really got away with improvising on The Legend of Korra. What was your relationship, if any, to improv with Last Airbender? Because it was so new and so undeveloped as like, did you feel like you could? Did they ask you to? What, What was going on there?
4: I think I maybe did a bit more like, as the seasons went on, perhaps, I feel like in, like, runs, you know, we'd, we'd isolate a line and try a couple things, and occasionally I would I would feel encouraged to throw some stuff around. But I don't remember, like, doing a lot of it. Dante tells me I did, and sometimes it makes me feel embarrassed. I'm like, was I just, like, did I just start saying stuff? <laughs> I don't know.
1: I was doing all my lines exactly the way they were written. Me too. Precisely word for word, just period for period. And Jack was, seemed like much more freer in what he was doing. I was like, he's having fun. I'm here in the room by myself just reading lines.
4: Part of it, though, it's the benefit of not being very good on the first take is then they'll just let you go for a while, and then you just start saying whatever you want by the end because no one's listening anymore, you know? The so let him
0: up. get good technique.
4: <laughs> yeah! Follow-up
1: question. Did PJ steal any of your stuff?
0: Wait, did he steal uh, my personal belongings, or did he
1: steal-,
4: steal any of Jack's? Steal any of Jack's stuff? Okay,
1: okay,
0: that makes a lot more sense to me.
4: <laughs> I don't think so. I think I think they're they stand alone.
0: They have you guys alone. met? No, uh, yes. You get on like a house on fire, whatever that means.
4: Uh, we have not actually hung out. We met once in the lobby at Nick Animation, introduced by Mike and Brian, who like I think they were they were in a record I was there for an audition and we were pulled together and Mike and Brian were very excited to have oh. you know the comedic characters yeah. collide. That's going right to happen there. on
0: this podcast. I see it happening. I could see it as if I'm looking into the future. Yeah.
4: That's like the spin-off. That's like a spin-off show. Yeah. PJ and I just met that once, but we are starting a rival podcast. <laughs> this is very unpleasant news to get yeah we'll be we'll be starting a rival podcast you will win
0: <laughs> you will win you absolutely will win we um, we're
4: full of foreshadowing on that one we don't care oh, we just let it fly so much
0: foreshadowing you lucky ducks i wish people said lucky duck more often that's just not something to get said anymore lucky duck
4: Gosh, you that's lucky the bee's duck. knees i mean lucky duck, great phrase. Yeah. we can bring it
0: back we can bring it back
1: uh, or what kind of ducks do we have in this show? Lucky, lucky turtle ducks. Lucky, lucky turtle, turtle ducks. ducks
0: way right. to turn it back around. You're
1: so right. That's what we have on our show. Yeah, lucky turtle duck. The turtle ducks are awfully
4: cute. There Are there turtle I don't remember that. I'm not good. I don't have a good recall for the hybrid animals. When do turtle ducks pop up?
1: They're all over the place, Jack. <laughs> they are all over Is
4: the place. Is it rude that whenever they describe <laughs> a hybrid animal, I think about if it would be delicious or not? And a turtle duck sounds I... delicious.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you, is it possible that the worst bad act you would have to overcome in the fandom in terms of like people being mad at Sokka, was it that you wanted to eat Momo before Momo was Momo?
1: Yeah, and that's this episode, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, we just that's we so just talked about episode three and it's true. You, you kept saying that that was going to be a meal.
4: First of all. So it's not, like, great taste by Saka. I don't think, like, he's a stringy little jumping thing. I don't think he looks that delicious. Not a lot of meat. But it's a desperate time, right? They've been out there flying around. You're eating, you've been eating rocks and stuff, <laughs> wishing it was
1: nuts and whatnot. So
4: I'm ready. Yeah.
1: And if you barbecue my little dude,
4: his oh, ears no. are probably
1: going to be nice and crispy. <laughs> nice and crispy ears. Legitimately.
4: Some, like, Crunchy. pig ear style. That's sounds nice. We call nice. it chicharron. We yeah. would call
1: that. Filipinos or Latinos would call it chicharron. Please, no one come after me. I want
0: everyone to know I do not <laughs> think that Momo's ears would make good chicharron. I am very, very <laughs> upset by this. This is rough, buddy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> this is rough. That's rough, buddy. That's real rough.
4: <laughs> I do think that probably is Zaka's biggest well, at that end, at the beginning, he's like just straight up a misogynist. Like, just very sexist. Until I'm glad you said episode it, Episode 4, we didn't Foreshadowing have to. Report.
5: Foreshadowing Foreshadow
4: report? report. Episode 4, some of that gets beaten out of him. I'd say that's probably his biggest flaw at the beginning, right? Quick question, back shadow report. Yeah. Who's older, Sokka or Katara? By how much? How many months? Like two years, maybe? Isn't he like 16 and 14, something like that? Yeah, he's older. I don't know. He seems very mature. I think that's a key. <laughs> Of the you show. never
1: call her, like, my little sister. <laughs> you never be like, my little sis. She's definitely older.
0: It's true that because even when they bicker, I don't feel like he pulls the little sister card. It's more just like, you're annoying because you're my sister. It's less about her being little
1: sister. I know. And you know big brothers pull that card all the yes, time. Yes, that's a
4: good point. But he does have the attitude of, like, I'm supposed to be in charge. Like, he thinks of himself as that, and I think Katara's... Maturity is just so far beyond his in so many aspects that like, yeah, the the dynamic is not full big brother, little sister, but I think he feels it. Sokka believes that he's the, you know, responsible chieftain, older brother type.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that you brought that up because, you know, that is something that people talk about in, in the context of talking about. Uh, Avatar, because so many of the characters that have great qualities and are so admirable, and then we kind of are tough on, and rightfully so, we're tough on the characters' lesser qualities, like wanting to eat yeah. Momo, for example, or being a misogynist. Um, <laughs> he grows out of both of those. He he grows know? out of both of them, and I think that's that's a kind of a question, and I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on. You know, it's so important how things are reflected in media, especially in shows for young people. I think that there's a conversation that happens, especially with something that was made 16 years ago versus stuff that might be made for the first time today. You know, what role models are we showing kids? And what kind of qualities do we want these, these main characters, these lovable protagonists to have? And if we were doing this anew, would we make Sokka different? Would he not have those qualities? But at the same time, it's like, but isn't it kind of good to show someone get the one-upmanship of having those qualities and then getting beaten down, kind of? Like, do you know what I mean? I'd love yeah, your thoughts. Yeah, I think,
4: I think how quick the journey is tells me that was something that they were planning with that character from the beginning, I would have to assume. Like, in the pilot, he definitely, like, has a pretty bossy, condescending attitude towards Qatar in a lot of ways. And some of it is Big Brother stuff. But some of it clearly is that he does have this, you know, from the beginning, this, like, cooked-in, sexist, like, I'm the guy, I'm the leader, I come from this, like... You're the only guy left in your tribe. Right. The only guy left in your tribe. Yeah, and so he thinks he's supposed to be this that his dad was and he's got a probably spoiled guy. Probably spoiled. Probably everyone's catering to the
1: only man in town. (laughs) He's the only man in town.
4: Yeah. Literally. Yeah.
0: But also feels a tremendous pressure because of that. And frustration, you know, about,
4: like, trying to train these tiny kids. But I think, like, giving him that thing to overcome at the beginning, I think, is helpful and does shape his journey. And it makes him, uh, it it is a attribute that I think carries with Sokka throughout the show that he is often good at, like, not underestimating people, I think, is maybe a fair thing. And I think that's a lesson that he learns here. So, I don't know. If, if, If this show was being made today, would they have started him from that unlikable point. Uh, Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, I think it's great. I I think when you watch a lot of shows, movies, television shows, you have to watch it within the context of the time it's made. But this particular show, I think the the timelessness of this show and why it was, again, so popular today is maybe it was before it's time or maybe it's a timelessness of of how it was made that I think all these issues resonate and still are, are being talked about today. And I think... Kind of works out perfectly with Sokka because I don't think you you dismiss those attributes in 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 any characters because then where's the growth of any of the characters right but to see the growth of Sokka I think it's really so I don't know if we were before our time or I like to think we were timeless timeless Sokka we're... Sokka I called you Sokka Jack Sokka are we timeless <laughs> here we go we're that's what it, it's we're fine that's
0: what everyone is thinking anyway that's like the blend when you're hearing two characters from the same show yeah. that is so beloved talk I mean of course you're gonna call.
1: I love Jack, man. And speaking of loving Jack, or well, loving Sokka anyways, we had an opportunity to connect also with Jenny Kwan, who played Sokka's love interest in the incredible warrior Suki. Oh, I love her so much.
5: I would like to say that Suki is a feminist of her time, but I think she's even more than that. I think she's, and I don't know if there would be a word to classify this, but if you at least watch just through the episode like you're saying. So Sokka comes in and he's, you know, boisterous and somewhat of, you know, a know-it-all and posturing. And he's not really in his power at that point in the beginning, right? Because he's just kind of all over the place. And Suki probably sees that. And her being somewhat of a feminist, it's interesting that she continues to give him a chance. So if she was in this modern day and age I don't think she would be part of that cancel culture. You know, if we want to get really deep, she probably would be like, listen, there there is something inside of you that is vulnerable, that is true. And she doesn't cut him off at first, but she holds him accountable and she holds him to show what he's really made of with what you're saying is like, who is he truly inside? And what is that true, pure, I I want to say, good part of him that she knows exists, right? And if she would have just been, like, off the island with this dude, we wouldn't have seen that. I have to say one of
0: the things I absolutely loved about Jenny was how open she was about talking about being a voice actor, and we all kind of got to share our experiences. We got to hear her philosophy on
1: that, and it was so inspiring. It went deep. Yeah especially being an asian american voice actor hearing her perspective is really relatable for me and we, we definitely need to be fighting for more roles and representation within the industry
5: for sure sometimes i get in my booth and i'm just like oh my can i like is there something there can i bring something out and then when i do i'm like okay time to let it go and if it lands it's like wait a minute oh it did okay great then that's icing on the cake right yes if it's not then you're right like you did the best that you could and I love that shattering image. That's really cool. I love that too. I'm always surprised that I book anything. Every time I book a job, like, <laughs> <Me> really? <too. laughs> for voiceover, I feel so fortunate because I get to audition not only for specifically Asian roles, but I could be a creature. I could be a kid. I could be, you name it. And I will say, I wanted to you know, brush up on a lot of my VO stuff. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to go to our union. And I'm going to take one of their free workshops and I'm going to just check it out. I don't know. Like, you know, I've had to learn so much about this equipment and I am not tech savvy. It's like this much. Right. Um, But I wanted to get the information. So I go and I'm listening to the panel and I am not kidding you. I'm not exaggerating because I remember going in there. There must have been 300 people who attended. And I looked around and I was like, I am the only maybe Asian person here. Like so you know i don't think that's a horrible thing because i know there are a lot of asian actors who are in our industry but i just thought that was really interesting you know and i was like okay i'm nailing this down like i need to do this like i just want to be i just want to keep improving you know no matter what that looks like for me you know and if that happens to benefit other people too then so be it i'm so happy to do that
1: yeah and with asian representation in industry you know we are definitely like a golden era. It's like this is the highest profile Asians have been in pop culture in the history of, you know, Hollywood. Yeah. Which is amazing and to be a part of, you know, our careers to be a part of the lineage of making that happen now. And with a special project like Avatar The Last Airbender, this started, you know, 15 plus years ago, almost 20 years ago now. And Mike and Brian having so much reverence and respect for the things that they were being inspired by and including us being very important to include people especially like me and Mako in, in the first original cast uh, to kind of have that authenticity to the project because they wanted aspects of of representation in there and so um I just think that's a really important thing as we're going through it of course we all know we are making fiction we are not doing documentary films we don't need to cast everything precisely but to 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 approach things with respect and uh some cultural reference is, is, is really important. And I think I, I do like that's the direction that we're going in. Of course, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, and there's a lot of mistakes we've made as an industry in the past and we and we all recognize that and we can all see that, but as we move forward, we're all gonna make more mistakes, but we're trying to do it in a way that's respectful to the cultures we're trying to represent and the cultures we're being inspired by and including uh, the people in front of the camera, behind the camera, to be a part of the process to make, to make it more authentic storytelling.
5: Yeah. And I also think too, you know, with them, you know, using different aspects of different Asian cultures, I think it's also a, a respect thing to have people of Asian descent, you know, be a part of that, like Dante saying to represent and to make sure it's, it has a sense of validity, right? Because like any culture, you know, we, we know how that feels, or know, you know, just the the story behind it. So I think that that lends to that as well, and it's important. And um, yes, as we move forward, and I also wanted to say it was beautiful how they used different cultural aspects, but also is modern at the time you know kind of melding the two which was very interesting Mm -hmm. and even like the animation you know even as they borrowed some of the like anime qualities but made it modern for the time and and kind of groundbreaking for the time to go forward because people still they just they comment about that too just the beautiful combination of how they used all those different aspects
1: well this is definitely always comes up in conversations about avatar uh, is it an anime? Is it not right. an anime? Mm. Obviously, it's an, it's an American-made animation show, so it's not right. necessarily it's an it's an anime. It's American anime, if anything. Mm-hmm. If you get started with Avatar, you are going to end up into you know the the just the world of anime. You're going to soon be watching whatever from you know Black Butler to you know Attack on Titan. All these mm-hmm. things because it because it borrows from that. It's it's really being. Inspired by the masters of animation at the, the anime scene in Japan, right in Asia. So uh, I think they're very proud of that. I'm proud that we're like a, a gateway drug for yeah. anime heads, right. for
0: sure. That's right. And I'll just address the elephant in the room, which I think will probably come up many times through the podcast. Which is, uh, I am just very happy to be here, and I would have been completely content to not play Cora if a wonderful woman of color or just not white was was in the mix. Somehow it worked out, and I responded to, I didn't know even really what Cora looked like per se, but I'm so happy to step out of the way at any given time for <laughs> for anybody that isn't me who can better represent anyone in anything. Uh, I'm just happy to be able to talk about the show as a fan at this point and stay connected with it in that way and speak to the things that I can connect with emotionally about a character I played, but also like
1: fully 100% own, like Mike and Brian do. They're universal stories and universal stories characters and and when they're universal like that we all you know we all can connect to them right and that's the really yeah. the great thing and and jenny talked about it before it's like this is they wrote a character for you yeah because it there wasn't a lot of representation of us we're yeah. you know me and jenny have been around the industry for i know thir- <laughs> decades 30 plus <laughs> years <Yes. right>? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so and it's happened to me where like we wrote this character for you which is a testament to you as as an actor and as a person but the reality is The way hollywood is was built it was built on the perspective and the storytelling of of predominantly white males Mm -hmm. in the industry and so they doesn't make it racist it just makes it their perspective and so they until they met you until they knew you they didn't even know they weren't even writing for you they weren't writing for us until they met us and then once you impress somebody like we need to write a character like that yeah and as it's as hollywood's growing it's there's more different people in the writers' room. There's more different ethnic groups talking and bringing their pers- perspectives to the storytelling, and that's and that's where we're at. And, and shows like Avatar have helped ushered in this kind of asian renaissance which is beautiful
0: that's one of the most wonderful experiences that i think we all the three of us have going to cons which is you know you see what other shows audiences look like by virtue of who's standing in a line to say hello to someone or who's getting a photo taken and i always look at the amazing diversity of the fans of this right. show yes. and the fact that so many of them want to be animators and i'm like getting choked up and they're artists and they're bringing these beautiful pieces that they've drawn for us to sign and and they're they the want time. to be voice actors and that to me is like you know i'm so happy to be like i'm not cora you're cora like you're all <laughs> cora you are ma- you're going to make the next court like please because getting to see any part of a culture or the color of your skin or the, your eyes, anything that feels like it calls out to you and feels familiar and feels like you're seen, allows you to feel empowered to create and to become a part of that story. And that is so important.
5: Well, I think that's an a testament to what you're saying, though, because if you didn't bring the life to Cora, people wouldn't be feeling that affection to be able to bring that out in themselves so to me i think it's always important that you're keeping the series alive right you're keeping that spirit alive and i think also too behind the scenes it's like kind of like what dante's say, saying is that if they don't know it, it it's not in their peripheral right but i think when the opportunity comes to make the change or to you know meet at the table that's a time when, for example, someone like me needs to step up and be like, hey, I have this to offer. It's okay. There's room for all of us. It doesn't Mm. mean that, you know, I'm taking away something from you. Just think about what can expand from this point of view, you know, and include so many more people and have your point of view. Because listen, if that wasn't there already, we wouldn't even have a jumping point. To go off of. So I'm so grateful to be a part of this, you know, family of Avatar. Like I just, the people who reach out, they just truly love the show and it makes me Mm -hmm. love it even more.
0: Now, one of the crazier and cooler things that happened on Braving the Elements, I got to give it up to my Prince Zuko, was that we actually were able to track down the Avatar in real life.
1: And we caught him with a net. But
0: it was actually a net. And internet eh? What? Why you're not smiling.
1: I am smiling.
0: <laughs> but of course we're talking about bringing fans a lot of joy and ourselves a lot of joy as well when we got Zack Tyler Eisen, a.k.a. Avatar Aang, on the podcast. Zack, what's
1: up?
6: Guys, it is... So good to be here.
0: This is very, very, very cool. You know, we've been doing this podcast for many episodes, and we are constantly talking about, of course, Aang, and your performance was so fantastic. Well, and thank you. So, just like innate, so bravo. Well,
6: thank you. I appreciate that. I, I, I had no formal training, so that might have honestly been a good thing. Uh, <laughs> what, from what you're telling me, I think me. sometimes, sometimes yes. it is.
1: Sometimes that is.
6: So, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, looking back, it was, it was just. A great experience in my life and i'm, I'm very thankful for it
1: we would come on booth and it's like usually me jack may and uh you know mako would we especially the first season you know you're trying to get the cast together as much as possible so you can get some kind of gelling going on with the performances and and it would be like and zach's here on the east coast and be like <laughs> it'd be basically zach's voice and you're, you're like hey we're like hey what's up Zach? so you and really he was Aang the scenes. To you. he
0: really was saying to you like you were just he hearing his and voice
1: yeah, you would just hear, when he was in session with us, it would just be his voice over. And then I met him at a, we first met when you were very young at the premiere party, That's right, yeah. Nickelodeon. Which we actually talked about that with Brian, and there was a whole martial arts, yes, of course, uh, exhibition. Yes, Sifu Kisu was there, and it was it was cool. And I met your whole family, and you're you know you were a kid.
6: I was a full kid. Uh, I was <laughs> I, I was pretty much like the same age as Aang. I might have even been a little bit younger by the time the premiere rolled around. I think the show premiered in oh five. I want to say that would have made me twelve or eleven, depending on. The time of year. So yeah, I, I was, I was young. Uh, and you guys were all like the cool older kids, like, you know, intimidating Dang. in a, in a cool way, not in a, not in a scary Some
1: way. Some of us older than others. <laughs> I mean, I look at Jack okay. and May at those days too. And I'm like, you guys were like <laughs> yeah. children.
6: We, yeah, we, we all were children. And, and you know, that was, that was part of uh part of the fun of it 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 was cool playing a kid who was my age I was kind of going through the same uh you know age progression as Aang at the the same time um you can hear it in my voice a little later in season three um
1: I think it makes it I think that makes it very exciting and special and a lot of times kids age out of the characters and they get recast right yeah and this is like a character you did the whole sit the whole duration of the series which I think is really special
6: thank god it was only three seasons because I don't think (laughs) I could have made it a fourth
0: (laughs) All right, everybody well that is it for our fan favorite episode thank you all so much for listening for weighing in for sharing with us and being a part of this experience with us we cannot wait for season two please make sure to follow us on social media I'm at the JV club on Instagram at Janet Varney on Twitter at Janet underscore Varney on TikTok
1: and I'm at Dante Bosco everywhere. And on TikTok, I'm at Dante.
0: Next week, we'll be recapping Bato of the Water Tribe with writer, comedian, and Avatar Studios friend, McGizzy Pensino.
1: We'll see everybody next Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.